Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the new edition of the Clark Howard Show, our five-day-a-week podcast as we embark on a new era that started long, long ago and far, far away in radio in 1987 is when I first started doing guest appearances on radio and started doing a show in 88. And I have just ended last week my syndicated radio show after 23 years in syndication and now I have made the decision to do podcast only which will be coming your way five days a week and with the podcast we're going to bring you information in in more informal format and our podcast will typically be somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes on most days and of course if you are someone who stores up the podcast and listens on the weekend you will have that available to you one of the wonderful things about podcasting is you listen when you want to when it suits your schedule I want to tell you that i am grateful to you for trusting me for information for your wallet each and every day as many times as you go to clark.com clarkdeals.com subscribe to one or more of our newsletters the idea is to serve you to empower you and that's always been our deal to give you advice and information that you can put to work in your wallet each and every day so that you can take more control of your life financially and in other ways so one thing I want to do since we always have new audience and I have not done this in a while, is tell you how I ended up doing this in the first place. So the scoop is I grew up in a household where it seemed like we wanted for nothing. I lived a very, very uh, good childhood, had access to uh, the best education, and I thought that we were on easy street. Well, little did I know when I was a late teenager that my parents were very good at spending money, but terrible at saving money, which was something I did not understand the consequences of till I came home from college at Thanksgiving. And there was this air of like gloom death whatever around the house and we were at dinner my first night home for thanksgiving break and everything was really somber and so i start thinking hey somebody's dying and so my dad asked me to stay at the table after dinner 
And I was like, okay, it's coming. It's coming now. And he said, I need to tell you something terrible. And so I, I'm like, okay, this is it. And he says, I lost my job. And I start smiling ear to ear. And he's like, why are you so happy? And I said, well, I thought you were going to tell me you were dying. And he laughed. And it was an important moment for him to realize that this weight of the world he felt about money was nothing compared to life and death. But the consequence that he went on to explain is he didn't know if there was money for me to go back to college in January. And that was one of those key moments. And many times, things that happen to you as a teenager impact you for the rest of your life. And this was one of those times because I became a night student and I was going to a private college, the American University in Washington. And the beauty in that era was even private school was not that expensive. My tuition uh, was $1,200 a semester. And gosh, that's, that's nothing compared to what college costs now. And I was going to school in Washington, D.C., so I got a job with the federal government working as a civilian employee for the U.S. Air Force, and I worked in the Pentagon, commuted to work there. Then I got a job that paid more at HUD and uh, commuted there and went to college at night. And uh, it was it was really one of the most important moments of my life having to pay my way through college. And it was a great event in my life, actually. I then went on to graduate school and got a master's in business and got a job with IBM where they paid for my graduate school because I was getting a business degree and worked at IBM as a bill collector during the day and went to college at night. And when I uh, graduated from grad school, I made a crazy U-turn in my life and decided to become a social worker. And I started an alternative school for people who had trouble in the traditional school system, may have uh, flunked out of school, may have dropped out of school at 16, whatever, uh, may have had difficulties in life. And I started an alternative school called Career Action when I was 23. And I resolved at that point to live on every other paycheck and started doing that actually uh, at IBM that I lived on every other paycheck. And it became one of the key principles in my life to live on half of my take-home pay because I was never going to ever put myself in the precarious position my parents had living life to the fullest without putting any money in reserve. Never going to happen for me. And that was a big part of what happened in my 20s. It made so many things possible. I bought my first foreclosure in real estate when I was 22 years old. And it was because of this idea that I was going to be in control financially that I had the resources to buy that foreclosure. And so for me, living on less than what I made opened up an infinite world of possibilities. 
I started investing at a very young age. And I should say, by the way, and I didn't, my parents did eventually get back on their feet. It took several years. And my father, as a young man, had worked on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. As a kid, he taught me how to read stock tables, which is something nobody talks about anymore. But there were no computers in that era. Everything was done manually. I understood the basics and fundamentals of investing as an 11-year-old forward. So I had that privilege of understanding investing fundamentally as a very young kid. And I started investing at 22 years old. I mean, I, all these things that happened, I kind of fast-forwarded with the money side. At 25, I opened my own business. I opened a travel agency, and then another, and then another, and then another. So I ended up with five travel agency locations in an era. That's where you used to have to buy tickets and all the rest. And I was in the right place at the right time. The airlines had just been deregulated. The government used to set the fares, the routes, how many seats you could have, all that stuff. And then the market opened up. And I believe so much in the free market, I believe that the travel industry would take off, bad pun, and that's exactly what happened. And I was there when that happened. If you wanted to buy travel, you had to go to a travel agent. That's where you went. And I was right there in the teeth of that growth. Well, at 31 years old, I was approached by a group of people who had been with one of the three national travel chains that wanted to go out on their own. They'd been secret shopping agencies in a number of cities, and mine was the one they wanted in Atlanta, which was a big growth market at that time, continues to be. And we negotiated over a number of months. They bought me out. And I asked at the last, next to last meeting at the lawyers, I said, we've talked about everything except what my role is going to be when you own the company. And the two guys negotiating looked at each other and looked back at me and looked at each other. And one of them said, we want you to leave. I was so hurt. It never occurred to me they were booting me out the door when they bought the company. But I got over my hurt really quickly because I'd always wanted to live at the beach. And I, I took my money and moved to the beach in Florida. And that would have been it, except for a series of family circumstances. I moved back to my birth home of Atlanta after being at the beach for roughly a year and was doing nothing. I had really gotten into biathlon stuff, biking and swimming. And I, uh, I was watching reruns on TV. That was about it. And then my new life happened from a single phone call from a radio producer asking me to be a guest one Sunday on a travel show. And everything that's happened to me since happened from one brief guest appearance. One led to another, which led to another, which led to another. Eventually, I was made host of that travel show, and that paid nothing. I didn't care. I was retired. And that went on for a while, and then they said, well, you know, we really think you got this whole radio thing. How would you like to do a show about money? And so I started doing that in 1989. And then two years later, a company that owned radio and television 
in the same city offered me to come to work for them doing both. And I said, I don't know anything about TV. They said, don't worry about it. We'll send you to school, which they did. They sent me to Iowa to TV school. And so I learned how to present on camera and all that and started doing a three-hour-a-day money show Monday to Friday, consumer money, whatever. And over time, it, it grew. And in 1993, we started our off-air advice center, the Consumer Action Center, where we answer questions that you have uh, for free with a team of volunteers that are trained to answer your questions. And here we are, 28 years later, still answering questions that you might have off the air. And the TV thing grew over time. Radio went into syndication in 1998, as I mentioned earlier. And the bookend of radio, December 31st, 2020. And now here we are in 21. After 20 was a very, very rough year for so many Americans and very disrupting medically and financially for so many. And we're in a year that has a lot of promise. The vaccine, as much as the United States has botched the rollout of the vaccine so far, we will get it together and we will get those shots in people's arms and the vaccine will be in the rearview mirror. And the U.S. economy will be in really good shape after what will be a relatively rapid recovery compared to what we had with the Great Recession that has caused a lot of worry in people about what we went through in the Great Recession started in 07. We didn't even get back to even till 2015 in the Great Recession. This isn't going to be anything like that. But I want to pledge to you that now on this podcast and at Clark.com and at ClarkDeals.com and with the Team Clark Consumer Action Center, every way that we are available to you, that we will continue to serve you, to empower you, give you the knowledge you need to take control of your life, reduce financial anxiety, and help you to a path of independence if that's what you're after. And I'm honored that you share your life and your day with me with this podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Clark Howard here, and I want to tell you, if you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask, and I love your questions. They help us know which way to serve you best on the podcast and on our websites, and also we will be able to address many of your questions right here on the podcast. So it's New Year's, and it's normal everywhere you turn. New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution. And fact, 
most of us have a really hard time doing our New Year's resolutions. And I think about the whole gym thing, that for a long time I was a member of the YMCA near my house, and now I work out at home because I've been in semi-quarantine since March 13th. And so at the Y, which I've been a member of since 1999 till recently, every January finding parking was like crazy impossible. Finding access to the machines, really, really rough. And then the regulars, the gym rats, you know, we'd all kind of give each other those knowing looks because by March, we'd have all our machines back to ourselves. That's how New Year's resolutions work. We start off with such good intentions, whether it's about how we're going to eat, how we're going to exercise, how we're going to handle money, uh, that we're going to be better in our relationships, whatever it is. Well, I want to tell you that I like for you to think about this differently. I want you to think about, and, and I will give you different ways of doing this, I want you to think about how you set goals for yourself that are measurable and achievable and reasonable so that you're able to get them done. Because it's really more about building a habit with your wallet than it is trying to, you know, think about a baseball player. Poor Joel loves baseball. And last baseball season was pretty weird. But, you know, you get up to the plate. And if you go for the grand slam home run when the bases are loaded, the odds are you're going to strike out. You know, a lot more is done by waiting for your pitch, getting that walk that walks in the runner from third base, or getting that single. Or if there's not two outs, even getting a bunt that brings that home run home from third base. Okay, I want to know, why are, why are you laughing, Joel, and you, Chris, to have that big smile? I'm just like, face? I don't get the baseball analogies. It's it, fine. It's funny to hear you, the... A uh, guy that Football. doesn't really like baseball at, at all. Do well, the baseball analogy. I don't dislike analogy. baseball. I mean, uh, uh, it's just football's my thing. Yes. Okay. But anyway, uh, for me, in January, when the weather's crappy in so much of the country, thinking about baseball, it's always exciting to me when uh, catchers and pitchers report. If you're not a baseball fan, they report first, and for me, that's like the signal that the gloom and doom of the darkness of winter and the cold of winter is on its way out. So giving a baseball analogy before the NFL has even had its playoff games or Ohio State lines up against Alabama in the college national championship before even – the NFL's done their first round of playoffs. I can give a baseball reference because it gets me thinking about weather getting better. But anyway, it's the same way with money. You know, that single that that uh, guy gets at the plate is more important than that swing and a miss trying to swing for the fences to be the highlight on ESPN. That single doesn't catch you on the highlights on ESPN. The strikeout doesn't. The Grand Slam would. 
but the single over time is what gets you the most impact. Okay, enough baseball reference. The idea is, and it's a key principle, is if you've ever heard me talk about the 401k thing, that so many people don't participate in a retirement plan at work. Many times it'll be mashed with free money from your employer and you say, hey, I got too many bills. I can't do it. And that's why we say start with one penny of each dollar you make. One cent. One percent. I guarantee you, you will not miss that one percent. And it starts a habit where the money's going in each and every pay period. And so doing something like that or, or setting up a Roth IRA, which for people who don't invest normally sounds so intimidating, but setting up an account and funding it with even small amounts of money takes less than 10 minutes of your time. But let's go back to the 401k. You put in that one cent on the dollar. I guarantee you, you will not miss it in your life. And then again, baby steps every six months, you step it up another percent. And then six months later, another percent. In five years, you're saving a dime of every dollar you make. But if you have been living paycheck to paycheck and you all in one day say, okay, I'm going to save 10 cents on every dollar I make, it's not going to work because you've been living a tight lifestyle without enough money. It's all about building habits. It's all about building good patterns in your life or bad patterns. You know, at some point I might talk to you some about how I changed my whole profile with my health in little teeny baby steps. And it totally changed uh, what size clothing I wear, how healthy I am overall, all those things. But I did it over years after years after years. And little teeny bits of change. And that's the way it should be with money as well. And I will give you many suggestions, especially in January, because everybody's got to talk about that stuff, right? But the goal is to create good habits in your life one little tiny step at a time. And by the way, while we were all enjoying the holidays, Congress finally, after seven months, came up with a new stimulus law, and I will be here to be a resource for you if you're a small business and you're trying to understand the new form of PPP loans, or you have questions about your stimulus money that you may be receiving, unemployment compensation, unemployment insurance, any of the facets of the new stimulus law, how it affects you specifically, and then how it affects people generally. I will be here for you for that. And Krista, you had something you wanted to post about to me about a Roth. Is that right? We do. We normally take questions like, you know, in the podcast from from you that you can um, you can submit to us at Clark.com slash ask. Um, and this one came in from Chuck in Utah. He said, I have a question about a contribution to a Roth IRA. I'm 23 years old, and I know you can contribute to the Roth up to $6,000. Do 
Do I contribute based on what I earn on net income or gross income? Right now, my gross income is over $6,000 and my net earned income is only $4,800 and I want to contribute to the max. Thanks for your help. So uh, I don't I don't know if you're talking about after tax income takes you down to 48. You're able to contribute based on your earned income. What would be reported is your income on your W-2. And if you are self-employed and you're talking about net after expenses, then as I interpret Roth contributions, it would be the net income from self-employment, the lower amount you mentioned, not the higher amount. But the fact that at 23, you're already trying to figure out how to max out a Roth IRA, fantastic. And on Clark.com, I have a very easy entry-level guide to setting up your Roth IRA, what I recommend you put the money into, and core and key principle, over time, you want to be in companies that are no commission and charge very low ongoing expenses on your Roth, because at the end of the day, that could end up doubling the amount of money you have in retirement versus being with a full commission stockbroker or certainly doing any kind of investing with a bank or an insurance company, you're going to end up with far less money at the end of the road than if you do so with a low-cost company, particularly those that are commission-free. Thank you so much for listening to our first 2021 podcast. And if you want to subscribe to our podcast, really easy. If you go to clark.com slash podcast, we walk you through the steps of doing that. And for information for you to take control of that wallet, check us out at clark.com.